Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So let's get into this. Hey, um, so last week we took a break from our series titled Desperation, but this week we're back in it. Okay, so we're in week three of desperation, and week one, we, we set the foundation with our key scripture that's found in Exodus 33, but just to sort of set up the verse before I just jump into that, basically what has happened is Moses, he's the mediator between the Israelites and God, right? So God speaks to Moses, God will then, or God speaks to Moses, Moses then speaks to the Israelites. So Moses, he's been up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights talking with God, and all the Israelites are still down in camp. So while Moses is conversing with God on the mountain, receiving commandments and, and, and the whole, and he's, you know, everything that he needs to lead these people properly, uh, Aaron's down in camp with the Israelites, and he's kind of the right-hand man to Moses, and he's just trying to keep things under control while Moses is gone, and all the Israelites are like, where's Moses? It's been 40 days, like, man, it's taking forever. And they come, to Aaron, or they come to Aaron and they say, man, I got a great idea. Let's, uh, let, let's make a golden calf and worship that. Now, the problem is God had given them the command, don't worship any other gods other than me. He's only been gone for like 30 or 40 days at this point. And Aaron, like a moron, he says, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's make a golden calf and we'll worship that instead. Come on. So, so they put that together. So basically, while Moses is on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, um, what's supposed to be his camp basically turns into a nightclub, church. There's naughty dancing, too many drinks. You know, it's like, whoa, whoa. What is ha- Moses has only been gone for a little bit. He, he comes down, and they take care of business. But here's the deal. God's a little frustrated with, with the Israelites in Exodus 33. That's where we find ourselves. So he has this conversation with Moses, and you you have to remember the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, that is a promise that they've been destined to receive. So God approaches Moses, they have a conversation, he says, listen, he says, I'm going to give you the land. I'll give you the land flowing with milk and honey, it's going to be yours, but man, I'm frustrated with you guys. You can have it, but I'm not going with you. And that's where we find Exodus 33, 15. We see Moses' response. He, it says, Moses replies, if you don't personally go with us, God, God if you're not going to lead us, if, if your presence isn't going to be with us, don't make us leave this place. Don't make us leave. And Moses, in essence, he's saying, God, I, I, instead of inheriting the promised land and all the resources we could ever dream of, God, if it means that we get to stay with you, then we'll stay wandering through the desert because I'd rather be with you. I'd rather, I'd rather be with you in, in relation with my creator than inherit everything this world has to offer. Moses was desperate. Moses was desperate for the presence of God. So as we continue into week three of desperation, highlighting these uh, stories in scripture that highlight desperation, um, I, I want to share quite possibly the gnarliest story in all of scripture. Like, this is, why are you guys laughing? It's, I haven't even said anything yet. I'm telling you, I, like, after I, after I read this story, take you through the story, I don't know if you'll view the Bible quite the same. This is, might shake up your faith a little bit. It's a little off, it's a little off the charts, okay? Y'all ready for it? If you want me to read it, say read it. Here we go. Genesis 5, 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. That's it? That's it? Hold up, let's read that again. Enoch 
walk faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Church, I have to say this. If I had to choose one biblical character whose story that I could adopt as my own life, I think Enoch, he, he's on there. You know, he's, he's on the top of the charts. It's just one day Enoch's just walking. You know, he wakes up to say his prayers. Just, oh, man, gone. Enoch, I don't know, maybe he was about to step into the shower, just gone. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and one day he was no more because God took him away. I just kind of envisioned this holy vacuum that just sucks him up right into heaven. I don't know. The dude's just gone. But also, one of our key scriptures for this morning is found in Hebrews 11, and it's Hebrews eleven six. It says this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, one, believe he exists, and two, know that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, it's Distant, Doubting, But Desperate. Distant, Doubting, But Desperate. Let's pray. Jesus, I, uh, right now I just come to you, Father, asking that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd use this word in a divine way, God. And Father, I also pray that you would use me in a divine way to speak to your people, just till the soil of our hearts. I pray that the soil of our hearts would be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word and, and that your word would, would grow fruit in our lives. I pray that we would be transformed by it. We don't want to only be hearers of your word. We want to be doers only. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Hebrews 11, I don't know if you know a whole lot about the chapter or not, but it's basically where we find this hall of faith or, or the heroes of faith. And, um, you know, in the whole chapter is basically just this collection of biblical superstars, in essence, okay? And, and it says every single person who's listed, they accomplished something incredible for God. You know, or God did something incredible in them, or God did something incredible through them, and it's this big, giant list. And everything they accomplished, though, it wasn't because of who they were, it wasn't because of how gifted they were, but rather it was their faith that carried them to accomplish these things. So you'll notice before every single story starts, before any character's names are mentioned, it always begins with by faith. So you'll see, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Abraham moved. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. So what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about this character, Enoch, because I believe Enoch was desperate to encounter his creator. Enoch was desperate to encounter his creator. But before I get into that, has anybody had uh, just an animal that you just loved, like a pet you loved, or any animal? Y'all, does anyone have pets in the room? Okay, there we go. I'm like, holy moly. So, you know, now as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten away from loving the whole animals, especially when you own the house. That's a little bit different. Um, but, but back in the day when I was younger, I had two very special pets. Uh, they were two hamsters. What's wrong with hamsters, guys? The Lord made those too. Now, I, I love these hamsters, but part of the problem was they were identical. Okay? Like, just looking at them on site, there's no telling these things apart. So... I'm about, you know, probably fourth grade, third grade, who knows. I just name them Chad and Rad. And whatever you get called, that, that's what you are, okay? So, made the names close together. And Chad and Rad have some, unfortunately, tragic stories about how they pass and how they're no longer with us. 
I hope to eventually see him again one day, but who knows? I don't know how their spiritual life was. So I, w- I want to share both stories um, of Chad and Rad. So first, I guess I'll tell you Chad's, if that's okay. So at this point in time, Chad is the only hamster who's still alive. I'll, I'll save Rad's for after because Rad's is pretty good too. But So Chad, I, I wake up one morning. Chad's the only one I got left. I'm like, man, Chad needs some quality time with Dad. You know, life's been busy. I've had a lot of homework, you know. Chad, we're going to hang out today. So I go, I grab him, I take him out of the cage. and I decide, man, we're gonna, I'm going to take you into the basement. I get all my Legos. I'm like, I'm going to build you a hamster mansion. Come on. I just, you know, petting them, maybe give them a piece of cheese or whatever hamsters eat. We're hanging out, having a blast, and I just start to build them this incredible Lego mansion with different rooms, and, you know, there's no ceiling, just the whole thing's skylight, just, man, he's a blessed hamster at this point. And I'm downstairs, I, I built this entire house, I'm just watching him run around, I'm just a proud dad, I'm like, you're doing great, buddy, you know, and my mom yells down into the basement, Mac, come up for lunch, it's time to eat some chicken nuggets and grilled cheese, you know, whatever she's cooking at the time. I'm like, all right, I'm coming. But here's the deal. He's enclosed in this Lego house, so he'll be fine. Like, I know he's not going to get out, and you, you can't climb it. It's too high. So I say, all right, Chad, love you, bro. I'll be right back. I'm going to go. I might sneak you down some chicken nuggets if you're good, you know. So I go up, and I'm, I'm at the counter, and I'm eating my, uh, you know, mac and cheese or chicken nuggets or whatever it is, and having a great day, thinking about Chad a little bit. And, but, I, but I can see the, the basement door like I can see where the stairs come up and all of a sudden I see my cat Willie just run up the stairs and he just runs by me and I'm like you sucker (laughs) and right away my heart drops into my stomach and I know rest rest in peace Chad (laughs) that's it you guys are sick first of all so I walk down I so I know right away I throw my grilled cheese on the ground I run downstairs into the basement, and Willie, he's so sick that he just left Chad upside down, covered in blood, in the middle of Lego Mansion. <laughs> that was the last hamster I ever owned. Um, so rest in peace, Chad. But Rad's story is a little bit different. At this time, they're both alive, and I wake up one morning. I, I get out of bed. I walk over to the cage, and here's a strange thing. The, the top's still on the cage. You know, there's food, there's water, the wheel, and I see Chad. Um, and I'm looking for Rad, and Rad's nowhere to be found. So I asked my sister, you know, where's Rad at? Where, where did he go? Can't find him anywhere. She's like, I don't know. And then it starts to dawn on me, he is legitimately gone. I start crying a little bit. I'm like, this is, this is sad. But then I, I read the story of Enoch, and I said, maybe he was just close with the Lord. It's a true story, you know. It's it's pretty funny. I uh, you know, I shared the story at a I shared the story at a camp that I preached at, and you know, you never know if kids are paying attention to what you're preaching or not. So I, I have this picture here. You'll see I, this kid comes up to me after the message, and it's Chad, it's Rad. It says, "It's my time, brother. Tell Mark I love him." I said, "If you know, if nothing else, at least you got that, and hopefully you'll remember when you're older." You know. But hey, I want to read this uh, 
you know, I want to read this triumphant story of, of Enoch's walk. Genesis 5.24 says this, Enoch, he walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. And I was thinking, like, I, I wonder what Enoch was doing when God just, you know, plucked him off the earth. Was he about to run a race against his friend or something? And they're both at the starting line. Ready, set, go. <laughs> you know, this is probably bad, and I don't know if it's entirely appropriate for church, but my mind kind of goes here a little bit. Of, what if God came back and Enoch's having a weak moment, you know? God comes back, pluck him up off the earth, and Enoch's in the middle of something sinful, you know? He comes down, might be a little awkward. He's just standing there with a shirt he took from Marshalls. And what did you guys think I was talking about? <laughs> we need to pray for this church, man. God comes back and he talks like, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But on a more serious note, um, you know, Genesis 5, a couple verses, I think it's 522. It's, it's not on the screen, but it says that Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God for 300 years, and, and here's what I found in all these stories we've shared. We, you know, we've talked about David, and we've talked about Moses and blind Bartimaeus. There was something tragic that happened in their life that caused this desperation to rise up, right? It was like, you know, blind Bartimaeus, he couldn't see. David committed great sin, and, and there was something that got them to this point of, uh, now I'm at rock bottom, now there's no one else who can help me. God, I need you. And, and here's the deal. I, I think tragic times in life and suffering in life, I, I think those things, that they're used. God uses them for us to create greater reliance on him. Like how many came to Jesus at a rock bottom moment in your life? Right? Some of us. No one wants to be honest. I'm one of them. It was like, Lord, I literally, I need you. And I think this, the suffering and, and the hard times, I think those things are used by God. I know they are. I know they're used for good. But in Staff Devo this week, we, we were sitting around having our Bible study. You know, we, we read through the scriptures every week together. And, and I posed this question as we were kind of talking about the series and the verse we were reading. I, I posed this question. Can we be desperate for God without the crutch of rock bottom? I'm just trying to convict somebody in the room. Can we be desperate for God? Because here's the deal, I, I think there's a lot of people, you come into church and, and you hear about depression and you hear about the loss and you hear about the sickness, but maybe, maybe you're sitting in these seats and you're like, man, maybe you're on the fence kind of about God and you got the good job, you got the good marriage, you, you got the good house, you know, good relationship with the kids and things are good. And maybe you've been like, man, do I, do I really need to do this God thing or not? See, what I love about Enoch was he walked faithfully with God for three hundred years. So I imagine there were good days and bad days. We don't see anything about Enoch's life. There was nothing tragic that, that propelled him into that, right? Church, my, my question for you is, even when everything's all good, can you wake up out of your bed? Can you wake up desperate every day? Desperate every day to encounter your creator. You know what? I, I don't need to be at rock bottom. I know what God's done for me. I know who he is. I know his goodness. I have faith in him, and I believe Enoch alive for 300 years. That's over 100,000 days. Enoch woke up every day and said, oh, man, today's a good day to serve the Lord. Amen? I imagine there were good days and bad days through that time, but Enoch had decided, I'm going to serve you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm desperate to encounter my creator every day that I wake up because he's that good. Church, I, I really believe that we don't have to wait for tragedy to live a life fully devoted and desperate to know Jesus. Can I read that again? We don't have to wait for tragedy to live a life to be fully devoted and desperate to know Jesus. So Old Testament, we, we see Enoch's story. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch. Um, but we do get a, a little bit more in the New Testament where they talk about this hall of faith or these heroes of the faith. And we get a little bit more about Enoch's story, not a whole lot, but he's in that hall of faith. So let's read what Hebrews 11 says here. Hebrews 11, verses 5 through 6, it says this. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, check this out, he was commended as one who pleased God. He pleased God. That's key. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We don't find out a whole lot about Enoch, but we do find out that he was a gifted musician. He had a strong personality. He was college educated, strongest dude in the gym. Um, You know, his favorite NFL team was the Patriots. It's incredible. No, no, we don't, we don't find out any of that. You know, the only two things, the only two things we know about Enoch is from Genesis, he was faithful. In Hebrews 11, he pleased God. He was faithful and he pleased God. And guess what? I think that's all we need. I think that's all God's looking for. You know, I don't know, even know if this is necessarily politically, politically correct to say, but church, did you know you don't have to be incredibly gifted by God to be used by God in incredible ways? Like, I, I think sometimes we, we spend so much time focusing on what we're not or what we're not able to do that it hinders us from calling the things to, it hinders us from doing the things God's called us to do, right? Nah, I'm just, I'm not good enough. My personality's not big enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, you know. Enoch was faithful, and he pleased God, and he ends up in the hall of faith. The writer of Hebrews, he, cre- he clearly states God rewards those who seek him. Not he rewards the incredibly gifted. Not he, re- re- he, he rewards the incredibly intelligent, right? He rewards the best singer. No, he rewards those who seek him. Enoch was faithful and he pleased God. Verse 5, it says, for before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So church, I want to make a bold statement to you really quick. But before I say this, so I don't get tomatoes thrown at me or anything, I I want you to understand how much God loves you. Dad, you're in the room, and you've walked through a lot of seasons of life with me, right? You were there. We had a conversation when I got back from Marshall's, right, when when dads were yelling at me because I messed up. You know, seasons of life where I was straying far from the Lord. And in those times, did you love me more or less than you love me right now preaching the, the gospel on the stage? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an illustration, remember that. Love me the same. Right, how about, how about you, man? Hayden, you probably had some seasons with both of your kids, right? Good times, and Macy, probably no bad times, but Hayden, we're working on. Yeah. But, but Hayden, even in those bad times, 
Even when, when we got to spank him, right? Do you love him any more or any less than that time? No. See, that's, that's the thing, guys. I, I want you to, the heart of the Father is God loves you so much that even in your worst times, he says, while you, Romans says, while you were still a sinner, while you were still in your mess, while you were still broken, while, while, while you were still dirty, God loved you so much. He said, here's my son. I love you. I'm uh, this relentless pursuit of you. God loves you so much. I, I, I can't. John 3.16, God so loved the world. He loves you. I want you to understand that, but I want to also suggest this as your pastor. Just because God is in love with you doesn't mean that he's pleased with you. Were you pleased with me in the Marshall's moment? Were you pleased with me when we were having a conversation with the dad? Rye, were you, were you pleased with your kids in those moments? No. When, when Willie came up the stairs after killing Chad, was I pleased with Willie? No. But two days later, I was scratching him just the way he liked, you know. <laughs> Seriously, Romans 8.8, 8, you know, and maybe you're like, eh, Mark, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I agree with you on that. All right, let's talk about it. Romans 8.8. 8 says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh, every day I choose the things I want to do. Every day I'm, I'm choosing my sinful nature. Every day I'm going to neglect truth that I know, and I'm just going to choose God. I'm, 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 just, or I'm not going to choose God. I'm going to do what I want. Those who live in the flesh cannot please God. Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So I just want us to understand this pleasing God and not pleasing God, it's real. It's real. So church, I, I want to ask you, are you living a life that pleases God? Like I know we've all fallen short. I know we don't always get it right. But are, are we making every effort to live a life that honors and glorifies God? Does our life Please God. So this begs the question, maybe we're sitting in here, how do I please God? How do I please him? And we saw in Hebrews, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. But it gives us the key here. It says, but anyone who comes to him must, one, believe that he exists, and two, understand he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I have two points this morning for how we please God. And the, and the first one is this, it's simple. We gotta believe that he exists. We gotta believe he exists. And you know what, I, I feel like I've gone through seasons and times where, and moments, and not so much anymore, but, you know, I found myself in a season or I found myself after an event or a tragedy or, and I kind of find myself having these private conversations with God, like, God, are, are you really there? Do you really care? Do, don't you see how this is affecting my family? D don't you see what this has caused? You've allowed this to happen? Man, if there was a, surely if God was good, he, would, he wouldn't allow this to happen. And you know what? Sometimes that doubt, it just seems to rise up. Sometimes if one thing happens to the other, it's like the doubt can just kind of stack on top of each other. And before you know it, we, find, we find ourselves kind of drowning in doubt. God, are you there? Are you good? Was Jesus even real? Did he even come to earth? Church, if we want to if we want to please God, we got to believe He exists. 
So in these moments and in these seasons of doubt, but, but here's the deal. I think we've all sat, or a lot of us in this room, we've sat, and we had a moment where God, he just revealed himself to us, right? A lot of us, we've seen God move in our life, and we know deep down in the depths of our heart, God, I know you're there. I know you're good, but I just don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all. And sometimes the, the doubt can get us confused. See, I know my God's good. But sometimes I find myself struggling a little bit with that. So I have this little tool that I use. When I find myself in these seasons of, God, are you really there? God, are you really good? Do you really care? Do you really love me? There's this video that I watch, and, and I think we all got these little things, you know, there's kind of like in our private life, you're like, oh, I just, I know no one likes this song, but I just love it. Or I know everyone thinks this video is stupid, but it just pumps me up. I don't know why, you know? And for me, this is like one of my little, you know, I got a tool belt. I got, and for me, this is just one of the, that little piece of equipment that helps me. It, it feeds my soul, and it's this video, and, it, and it's this guy. And, you know, like growing up, I was always writing songs. I always loved poetry. Like I love music and, you know, anything that rhymes. I just, man, it's just cool. So it's my private life. I'm being vulnerable with you guys, all right? Poetry is cool. It's for strong men. But one day I was watching this um, video, and it's a guy who's given a spoken word, and he addresses this topic of doubt. And it's so powerful because he spends the first half of the spoken word speaking from his own perspective, talking about everything he struggles with and his doubts and, and, and all of that. And then he steps away from the mic halfway through, and he steps back to the mic um, representing the, the voice of the Father and how God would respond to his doubts and, and respond to that season. So... I love that line where he says, before you doubt me, doubt your doubts. Church, I think, I think that's a good word. I think we need to start doubting our doubts. And one, we want to live a life that please God. Man, we got to believe that he exists. And two, we got to earnestly seek him. We have to earnestly seek him. And in, in the ministry world, um, there's more kinds of pastors than this, but a lot of times we, we kind of see these basic two. And there's pastors who they, they focus all on the gray side of things and, and the mushy-gushy and God's tender side. And, and I think in that, their preaching style, they don't bring up a whole lot of truth or they don't bring up a whole lot of instruction on how to live a holy life and how to please God. And they just kind of live in that. And, and there's no freedom because the, the truth sets you free, right? But, and then there's the other side where it, it's almost too much truth, and we got to do, we got to do, we got to do, we got to keep living this thing out. You got to pray more, you got to read more, you got to worship more, you got to, and, and all those things are good, and, and I really believe we need to saturate our life in those things. But sometimes I think we get in this mindset, or I feel like sometimes even in my preaching, or sometimes in my self talk, I can say, God, I want to please you so bad, I just got to do more, I got to do more, I, I got to do more. And in the process of performing for God, I found myself not even looking at Jesus. Not, not even watching how he lived and trying to know him and be like him. I just find myself basically looking at this list of do's and don'ts. 
Like, like if I could just avoid bad movies, uh, bad music, bad pictures, bad substances, bad words, gossip. If I could just keep, keep doing. If I could just keep doing and, and keep performing for you, God. If I can just do all this stuff, then I'll be close to God. Then he'll be, then he'll be pleased with me. And sometimes it almost feels like I'm, I'm performing on a stage, like he's sitting and he's watching. And it's like, <laughs> Dad, you proud of me yet? Dad, Dad, you proud of me yet? You see what I'm doing? You see all this stuff? You see, you see how long I raised my hands for? You proud of me yet? And you know what it's like? I never take time to just step off the stage and go sit next to him and just talk to him. So business, I'm so focused on my business of wrongs and rights, I never end up really seeking him, really getting to know my creator. So uh, I briefly shared this story at one of our worship nights, but about a year and a half ago, man, I, I found myself in the season where, uh, man, just like li little discouraged in the season of life I was in. Abigail, she was in bed, she was sleeping, and you guys know I got these two Bluetooth speakers. I talk about them, they're my prayer speakers, and man, I just, I just put them on the, on the floor next to my bed, and I just get down, I'm like, man, I just need to talk to God, we're in ministry, and I don't even know if we're supposed to be doing that anymore, it's like, I'm confused, but I, you know, I don't, I don't, am I gifted to do anything else, could I do anything else, it's like, God, I don't, I don't even know, one of those moments, like, God, are, God, are you really there, like, I said, man, I, I just need to pray, hoping that, you know, and something about me, it's really easy for me to be like, God, are, God, are you proud of me? I haven't done this. I've stayed away from this. I haven't touched that. I haven't, you know. So I get down to pray. I turn on some worship music, and I know that we're going to be preaching on a series that has to do with Hebrews. So I say, well, I'm praying, you know, while I'm in the presence of God, I might as well open up the book and see if I can get some good things to share in this, in this series. So you can see it's, it's still doing. And I get down on the floor, I, literally I'm, I'm down on my knees, and, and, and I start flipping through my Bible. I open up Hebrews 11, and I start reading it, and, and I'll never forget as the worship music's playing, my wife's sleeping in the bed, uh, I read Hebrews 11:6, And it's like it jumps off the pages and speaks right to my heart and says, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. It doesn't say he rewards those who lift their hands along us in worship. It doesn't say he rewards those who say enough encouraging things. He doesn't reward those who don't watch the bad movies. He doesn't reward those who don't listen. Again, it's all good. It's, it, it's all good. I'm not saying that. This is for me in this moment with God. It was like the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm praying in my room and the Holy Spirit drops in my heart. Mark, I just want to spend time with you. Like, will you just be with me? Will you just earnestly seek me? I, I love, I, like, it's like I love what you're doing. I love your heart to want to, want to please me. I love it. And don't stop. But are you just seeking me? Is it about being with me and getting to know me? And, and he's such a good father. He doesn't say perform and I'll reward you. He says, if you earnestly seek me, I'll reward you. If you spend time with me, I'll reward you. Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Spend time with him. Is your, are, are your relationships falling apart? 
Spend time with him. Are you hurting? Are you lonely? Spend time with him. Are you doubting? Spend time with him. Do you earnestly seek him, church? That's what pleases God. And here's the deal. If you spend time with somebody, we know this. Whoever we spend time with, our life's going to look a lot like that person's, right? So if we're spending a lot of time with our creator, if we're earnestly seeking our creator, then you know what? I I think our life will look a lot like Jesus. It's almost like it'll happen organically. Like, are, are you spending time with God often? Are you continuously seeking him? And if we're in this relentless pursuit of God, I would almost suggest that it's going to be difficult to live a life that doesn't please God. Church, it's time to get our eyes on Jesus. And I, and I think Enoch was just a guy who just woke up every day and said, God, today's yours. Today I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to love your people. I'm going to walk faithfully with you, God, because of who you are and what you've done. And here's the deal, church. Uh, you know, I talked about the, the crutch of rock bottom, but here's the deal. All of us, regardless of what has happened on our life, we have all been at the same rock bottom because we've all been infected and polluted by sin. And guess what? There's one man who for all of us, what he did for me, he did for you too. This man named Jesus, he took it so you didn't have to pay the punishment for the sin that's in your life. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.